Bill. Yo. It's our, it's our Christmas episode. Season's greetings. Happy holidays. You know this one? <laughs> I don't think I know this song, actually. No? No, I don't. We'll, we'll wait for the for the lyricists to kick in before we give the reveal. It's Christmas at ground zero. There's music in the air. Okay, there, Al will sue us if we play more of it. Um, it's a Weird Al's song, Christmas at Ground Zero. I highly recommend, highly recommend it. I'll have to go back and listen to it. Look at that. The radio. One of my favorites. Okay, well, it's December 20th, 2020. Earlier today, we were listening to the radio and they played uh, Bob Dylan's Christmas song, Christmas Polka. Oh, yeah. Who comes around on a special night? Who wears a bead that's long and white? Long and white, special night, must be Santa. Is that the Christmas Polka? I mean, it's... Kind of a Chris. I mean, it's a Christmassy polka-y song by Bob Dylan. Yes, yes. I was thinking he did a song entitled "Christmas Polka," but you're, the the name of the song is "Must Be Santa," right? Oh, that's right. It is called "Must Be Santa." Yeah, that's right. Must be yeah, Santa. but I I really I was d- dancing around this morning. I worked up a sweat dancing around to it. Worked up a the, yeah, worked up the a dogs, gall dang sweat. The dogs were like. Ah, what's going on, man? But this is part of the Coen Brothers Movie Club. It is. It is the part of the Coen Brothers Movie Club. And we're going to talk about Intolerable Cruelty. Yes, Intolerable Cruelty. December 20th, 2020. So things may have changed between the time we recorded this and the time you listened to it. Yes, that's correct. Perhaps Trump's uh, coup has been successful and we've all been shot. Or, jeez. Sorry, that was bleak. very dark. It was yeah. bleak. Let's go back to Weird Al. Everywhere the atom bombs are dropping. We thought it's the end of all humanity. <laughs> we thought uh, Al thought that you know humanity was going to be ended by the A bomb. Yeah. But turns out it's just like go Trent, fucking okay. Trent. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, intolerable cruelty. Uh, from. 2003. 2003. Uh, from the Wikipedia art- article, 2003 romantic comedy film directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, produced by Brian Grazer and the Coens, script by Robert Ramsey and Matthew Stone. Uh, is that the same Matt Stone that is the South Park guy? I don't think so. Okay. Um, Film stars George Clooney, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Jeffrey Rush, Cedric the Entertainer, Edward Herman. This is number out. 10. Number 10. Yeah. 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 Um, spoilers throughout. Spoilers throughout, yeah. He, can I tell you my the thing I noticed about this movie? That more than more so than the other ones? Um, or rather goes against the way the their other movies are it seems to be there even in big lebowski even in super goofy movies that they made um um you know lebowski and raising arizona before this oh brother where art thou all super goofy but but they shot it as if it were like prestige like like uh, movies and like right. things, the sort of the joy that I get from their from their goofy movies is it's like these like ominous pan slow pan ins like you get on Big Lebowski when he's like mods hanging from the ceiling and like flinging paint everywhere, mm-hmm. but it's shot mm-hmm. like a horror movie, just like yep. slow moving camera in. Um, this movie was shot like as like plain and dull as possible super by the numbers yeah just yeah. like i'm i'm making a soap opera and right we it's like to, to, to use an analogy to tv it's like all of their other movies were on hbo and this movie was on cbs yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <clears throat> yeah um and 
uh, I don't which is okay I mean is they kind of did less of that of that style of shooting in no country for old men sort of but not really I think like I'm I'm just picturing some some shots were pretty bleak and but he, no you know I think I think I've just disproved myself in my own head they didn't do that for con- no country for old no, men I would say no country for old men is very much prestige drama in its yeah. shooting style and it's interesting cuz Roger Deakins is was the director of photography for this one as well really yes oh, and my goodness. yeah I know and Roger Deakins and this was, at the time it was made, the highest budget they had had on a movie. <laughs> it, it's, it's baffling. It's, it's arguably their worst movie, I think. Ooh, interesting. Okay. My but... reaction upon seeing this movie was, I actually thought it held up better than I was expecting. Oh, well, so it, it might be their worst movie, I was genuinely laughing at a bunch yeah. of parts. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think that I think when it's all said and done, the Lady Killers is worse, but we'll see. That's the mm. next one. Um, I, I but I respond more. I think I haven't I haven't watched it in forever, but I think I respond more to the artistry of that one because there is I in my memory, it's not shot as just like yeah by the numbers as we're saying as right. this one. Um, the yeah some of the jokes were some of the jokes were pretty funny what what's your um here let's let's have this plan and i'll make sure it's muted bit what's your take so i thought it was you know it was interesting like I think it's important to kind of consider 2003, which is when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. It was a big hit for them. I think it was more commercially successful than most of their movies had been up to that point. Really? Yeah. Wait, let's let's look at uh, let's pull up Box Office Mojo. Yep. Let's see what let's see what the numbers say. I mean, Box- I don't know if it was the biggest hit they'd had at that point, but it was it was definitely a successful movie. A sure. lot of people went to see it. It was like, you know. George Clooney comedy that was big in 2003. Yeah, 12 million opening, 35 million domestic. 120 million worldwide. But what does this percent mean? I don't know, but I read percent of on the Wikipedia total. that the budget was 40 mil. Yeah. So it made its money back three times. Worldwide though. Yeah, but worldwide is, you know, that's money. I but I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't seem to be a smash. You know, it's like they no, I just, guess it wasn't a smash. No, they just but they. How does it compare to like the man who wasn't there? Uh yeah, let's see. <laughs> I said that one. <laughs> yeah, man who weren't there. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it made five it made million like a less. Ten, it made only like ten percent or less than. Yeah, I, I wish there... on here it said how much it costs to make, and then. Yeah, I think you have to go to multiple sources for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, Clooney was a big star. Mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones was a big star. Was, was this? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, did. Was this before Ocean's Eleven, 2003, and Out of Sight? Um... So she was in the second Ocean's movie, which the first Ocean's movie had already come out, but the second Ocean's movie had not. Yeah. So it was between the first and second Ocean's movies. Clooney and Jennifer Lopez were in Out of Sight. For some reason in my head, I had that as Catherine Zeta-Jones. So that's a whole other whole other discussion point I, I the most thoughts i had after seeing this movie was about Catherine zeta jones yeah was, she was amazing she was amazing and she doesn't have she to was, do like her she was in, just um, just the most beautiful woman you've ever seen in this movie yeah um and her career like fizzled out not too long after this really yes really? she's huh. been in some stuff over the years but 
she's like, I think she's a really good example of how for a lot of actresses, like they get nothing after age 40. They just get nothing. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm pulling up her filmography. Whoa, she was in The Phantom. I remember that. Um, and yeah, that's right. And, and Mask of Zorro. Mask of Zorro was her big breakout. Entrapment. Yep. I remember that. Entrapment. Yep. She was super um, hot in that. Oh, man. F High, High fidelity. fidelity. What a super great hot. part. Like, what a great incredible. Part. She was incredible. so I think I think in High Fidelity, she's the girlfriend who uh, John Cusack is is trying to light his cigarette in the rain. And then he's just like screaming. <laughs> she's the one who dumps him for someone more glamorous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after Ocean's 12. Dear Lord, she made the terminal like the year after this. No, yeah. no. What? What a what a god awful movie that was! Oh, really? I actually have a bit of a soft spot for the Terminal. Oh, I recognize that it is not one of Spielberg's better movies, but I find the Terminal. I kind of like it in spite of myself. My my dad, uh, God rest their soul, uh, could not get enough of sentimental just the more sentimental something was the more he liked it or the more they liked it mm -hmm. and dear lord i could not i just just like get me out of this movie theater. i don't know for some reason the sentimentality of the terminal works for me like i, I may tom I may hanks need to watch it and then it's got diego luna it's got zoe saldana i also like the fact that at the end of the terminal like tom hanks and Catherine zeta jones don't end up together if i'm remembering correctly because mm -hmm. it sort of, it doesn't go for full Hollywood ending. It only goes for like partial Hollywood ending. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, go ahead. No, I'm just like, she didn't, she was not in enough, she wasn't in enough stuff, like even before yeah. 40. Like, I feel yeah. like this movie and not even Ocean's 12, this movie and Traffic, mm -hmm. And the Mask of Zorro. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think High Fidelity reaches that same because I was she was doing like a she was sort of making fun of herself a little bit. Yeah. But those three, I think, were her were her top movies where she's yeah. really like leaning into it. Right. And I didn't even know there was a sequel to Zorro. I had no idea there was another yeah. Zorro movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And she, she won. She won the Oscar for uh, Chicago uh, for supporting actress. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I should have thrown Chicago in there. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's so that's, she. So like, yeah, but I mean, there was just like a precipitous drop off after Ocean's Twelve, and I just feel that it's yet. An, I, I don't know. I think it's another example of how leading ladies like that, like they usually don't get to keep having big I, roles after forty in a way I, that George Clooney can just. Yeah, I think yeah. that that ties into it, but but just looking at her full filmography, she should have been a bigger star. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like some something else played into it. Maybe like I don't know, I don't know anything about the movie business, but it seems like maybe bad management or something. Like she should have been maybe. in, she should have been in like, um, just way more stuff. Mm -hmm. She could have been in like romantic comedies and like you know like, yeah. She was great in this. Yeah, so good, so good. Um, here, another thing, another kind of little little uh, journey that I went on after seeing this movie is I was trying to, I was like, okay, where, what, uh, it, where does her Hispanic heritage enter into it? Sure, there is no Hispanic heritage. Oh, she's not Hispanic at all. Zeta oh. is, and I should have known this because. In all my years studying Spanish things, I've never seen the surname Zeta before. Mm. That's the word for the Spanish letter Z. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen a surname Zeta. It was the name of her Greek grandmother. Oh, okay. She's just Welsh. She's Welsh with like a Greek grandmother. Oh, okay. But but she she kind of got 
she's got so many roles in Hollywood where she's playing uh, Latinas, like yeah. tons, tons of roles where she's playing Latinas. And I think that, I think if you were to ask most people, including myself until yesterday, is Catherine Zeta-Jones Hispanic? They'd be like, yeah. Yes, oh, that's what I would have said. She's not. <laughs> Which, that's so funny. You know, that's a whole other, that's I guess a whole, no, that's a whole nother thing as they say. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Does she play opposite Sean Connery in Entrapment? In like Entrapment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, I'm just looking up. Uh, leading, supporting, acting credits. I'm looking up by the numbers. Mm. Uh, looks like we can go like that. Okay. So this is kind of cool. This the the dash numbers.com all acting credits this is kind of a neat little search because mm -hmm. you can search by domestic box office international box office and worldwide box office per uh movie that each that each star has been in and you can sort by how much mm -hmm. um so chicago was the highest grossing movie that she was in yeah domestic 170 a million. lot of money yeah um and then Ocean's 12, 125 million, and traffic 124 million. And even um, more overseas. Look how far down Intolerable Cruelty, pretty far down that list. Pretty far down that list, yeah. Rock um, of and, Ages. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know these. Um, oof, The Phantom way down that list. Uh, yeah, so she was great. The plot, the plot, um, the plot was pretty. You know, it was fine. It was fine. I, re I remember it more twisty turny than it actually is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like in my memory of the film, there was more complications. Yeah. But the only real, the only real twist is the Billy Bob Thornton twist. That's, but, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good twist. It, it was good. He was funny. His, his um, he was hilarious. It, the, the lines that they give him are, I feel like the most that that little bit where he's doing where he's what we know later to be him acting as that as that millionaire oil baron or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the lines that he has are just super reminiscent of Lebowski of like absolutely babbling and cutting him off and stuff. Mm -hmm. it, was, mm -hmm. it was real good. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Rush. I think this is the only Coen Brothers movie he's been in. Yeah, it, I think it is. And it's kind of a strange, his his role is so small. I also, in my memory, thought that Jeffrey Rush's character was in more of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just sort of in that beginning part. The beginning and the end. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, so the treatment of, I don't know, like we were talking about last time, like Coen Brothers treatment of, of race in their movies. Mm. So Cedric the Entertainer is a is so funny, mm -hmm. but also they boil down his character to just saying, "I'm going to nail, nail, gonna nail their ass, ass going to nail yo ass, going to nail his ass." And then, it's true. It's then true. we see him like with all of his friends at his house, and they're just watching <laughs> like like videos that he took. Of yeah. um, it was really funny, but I feel like it's not a great nuanced depiction of mm -hmm. race in america at no, all no uh -uh, no it's pretty bad actually it's just so caricatured yeah, yeah yeah um they're they're like yelling at the tv and stuff it's just like okay all right um yeah i i mean what what else what else are we going to sink our teeth into on i mean one? so one of the other sort of thoughts that i had is um the uh his 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 assistant the other like the lawyer that that kind of works under under george clooney yeah wrigley wrigley yeah 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 so in my memory i could have sworn could have sworn hold on a second sworn it was somebody else huh? i could have sworn he was played by an actor called just give me a second, give me a second. yeah uh, oh shit! I'm not gonna be able to find it, but um, that guy. There's this. There's this actor in Burn After Reading. 
that plays sort of like a, an office underling that I could have sworn it was the same actor as him. And it kind of made me think that for the Coen brothers, one of the things we've talked about on this podcast is how there are certain types that are kind of over and over again used in their movies. And it seems like they have a certain actor in mind, but they can just kind of get the alternative. Like, doesn't it seem like they probably would have used the same actor as Jeff Lebowski as Pappy O'Daniel, but like they just didn't. They, they yes. used the other, the other portly kind of yammery uh, older man. Yeah, yeah. It's same thing with uh, with that old prosecutor, old uh, guy in the courtroom at first. Where is this guy? Mm -hmm. This guy. <laughs> Where do they find this guy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, how would you describe your husband's sexual proclivities? Tender lover. This scene is so good. This is a and very good look at scene. the guy in the middle. Pause it. Yeah, so the, the guy defendant, that they're defending. Or, so or, I thought, is that the is that the guy who owns the gas station in uh, <laughs> World Men? Right. It isn't. No. But. It might as well have been. <laughs> might have, yeah, it might as well have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this guy could have could have been played by, you know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He could have been or, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Or I or, think the actor that I'm trying to think of is an actor called Kevin Sussman, who um, is in Burn After Reading, and he kind of plays this guy <laughs> yeah. who who comes from one of the rival law firms. Anyway yeah we'll get to it yeah yeah that that's funny but just uh, sort of the sort of like the nebishy uh sidekick i mean everybody in this movie's kind of nebishy well maybe not clooney um i mean george clooney really is such a great comedic actor like that's another thing that that this movie kind of reinforced for me he's just really really good at comedy Oh, did you, by the way, did you pick up on this part where, where they're all talking that when she's like, oh, I haven't been able to catch him yet, that that her friend is the one sleeping with her husband right there? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that it, I was like, oh, they're going to they're going to flesh that out more. So you and Rex are. Let's see. Well, as my it's coming up. investigator put it, we're going to nail his ass. <laughs> I've been trying to nail George's ass for years, but he is so careful. <laughs> See, <laughs> this very clearly, like, her friend is sleeping with, with uh, her husband. That's funny. <laughs> and they never, they never elaborate more on it, no, right? Well, that's good. You just kind of, I like you when you insert little things you don't follow up on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and this whole bit is like it's like they're extending on the mod, uh, or not Bunny Lebowski character. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. they're just fascinated with um, w with this Hollywood type of person in, in L.A. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, who is this actress right here? Let's see if we got. Oh, that's Julia Duffy. That's who that is. She's been in, um, she was in Designing Women. That's, ah, okay. and Newhart. Yeah, that is um, her friend, Catherine Zeta-Jones's friend, who later she lies about saying that she died. Right. Um, Although does that, does it get confirmed that it's a lie? Yeah, because, yeah, because she's, um, she's in later scenes. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, you know, she said she died... And then right here, right? Isn't that her friend? That's yeah. where they all fall back on when they don't have a prenup. Yeah, that's Julia Duffy, right? <sighs> right. Not one of the other Just ones. Stay strong until the divorce <laughs> is final. Yeah. That was a funny line when the when when George Clooney gives his speech to no man. Um, and no he man. goes, You will find me doing pro bono work in East LA. <laughs> Or well, today, or one, one of the other here to hand wavy. Yeah, <laughs> one of the other poor places. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice who is in the scene with Billy Bob Thornton 
in the soap opera. Well, I am, of course, aware. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're going to come to it quicker than I will. Cynicism. But uh, who was it? It's the guy from it's Bruce Campbell. Oh, yes. Yes, I didn't see that. And and, you know, Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers are are uh, tight, mm -hmm. as it were. And uh, yeah, Bruce Campbell in in a, a ton a of cam little cameo. I just feel like the themes in this, there's, it's, it's kind of just what it is on the surface. It's just like this funny thing. Yeah, it's the, not, there's not a whole lot there to dig into. No. It's funny though, you see there are these references for things that they'll follow up on later. Like in 2000, when they get to uh, a serious man, um, the, the senior partner's office is totally <laughs> like Rabbi, it, Rabbi was, Marshak's office. Yeah, I was it's like the exact that. same scene. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is completely. And and w when he's waiting in the waiting room the first time when he goes in and he and he picks up that he's like looking through this stack of books and we learn <laughs> that the senior partner has no intestines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, it's pretty good. And then, oh, God, the guy is so creepy he living without good. intestines, breaking the <laughs> IV leash. <laughs> and there's like a centerfold for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> 14 summary judgments. This guy. What? Dirty granite. 18. Come on. <laughs> it's yeah it's the exact same and the look on his face is good he knows he has to act like <laughs> he's so traumatized by by just being in that guy's office even though he got good news he's like i just need i just need a minute <laughs> after being in there so here's a strange thing i i was looking at the trivia on imdb and I'm going to need you to help me parse this. Okay. So one of the trivia items put on IMDb is Billy Bob Thornton speaks very fast in this movie because his character in The Man Who Wasn't There speaks very slowly. Okay. Yeah. I buy that. Fine. The I next guess. sentence, the next sentence is what gets me. They did the same thing with Steve Buscemi in The Big Lebowski and first season of Fargo. First season of Fargo? Was Steve Buscemi in the first season of Fargo? I don't know what they're driving at here. Yeah. They did the same thing. First of all, who is they? Because the Coen brothers didn't make the first season of Fargo. I, so are you talking about Noah Hawley? And then are they talking about Billy Bob Thornton in Fargo as opposed to Steve Buscemi in like oh yeah like yeah. so yes, they're saying that I, I i see so they're saying that they switched it up for the character i suppose because billy bob thornton's character in the first season of fargo is analogous to i don't know man he's 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 only sort of very very vaguely analogous to steve buscemi in the movie Fargo or the, the, in the big Lebowski, like, like what is, what is Steve Buscemi's character in the big Lebowski have anything to do with the first season of Fargo? I, yeah, I think. I, I don't know. I don't I know. Anyway, just uh, figured out that they don't know how to write. 67 of 72 people found this interesting, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I don't know what they're getting at. Um, Although I, I did to... notice that when uh, when Billy Bob Thornton comes into the office for the first time with Catherine Zeta-Jones, he says to George Clooney, he says, she says, you're the best. She says, you're aces. And um, in the first season of Fargo, when Billy Bob Thornton is pretending to be the dentist, that's his sort of trademark line. He always says aces. Anyway, okay. That is extremely specific, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was intentional. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought I would look up to see what the highest grossing um, Coen Brothers directed movie was. Oh, wow. So it's True Grit, huh? True Grit. 
Now, the thing is, you can't search. Uh, I think Ethan is listed as director sometimes or never. Do you know? Sometimes. So, yeah, because for whatever reason, you can't list two people um, having directed a thing for like Directors Guild purposes. So no. let's make sure. So we have on this screen where it lists Joel Cohen as director, the highest grossing domestic box office that he had was $171 million for True Grit. Mm -hmm. Um and then it, it it on the same screen it it's has technical credits so it's got a bunch of things on here, but No Country for Old Men is after that, and then Burn Burn After Reading is that high up there. Wow, there's a lot of big stars in that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, it's Brad Pitt and George Clooney, and Francis McDormand, and Francis McDormand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brother, where art thou? Is after that. Um. But let's let's look at let's see where Ethan uh, Cohen lays on that. Hmm. Uh, Maybe he's never listed as director. Yeah, could be wrong about that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. This this might be a, just, this might be a quick little episode because it's just not that much to say. No, it's, it's good gags. Um, it's good gags pretty funny i was going to rent it and then i saw like the sd version to buy was just like 10 bucks versus four mm -hmm. bucks just like mm -hmm. well now you've got it forever ten dollars i'm just gonna buy it yep so so i have the but it's the sd version because uh, the the hd version was 14 bucks well like, you know i mean like we said the the it's not like the uh the cinematography is all that interesting no no yeah and okay so imdb says the budget on this was 60 million so it still made back its money but it made its back its money twice not three times yeah and didn't didn't quite make it domestically mm -hmm. yeah um i don't know what the tech the that's so that's not a bomb right i think a bomb is where you lose money yeah what what, what i was going to say what's weird is that like about this movie and then following up lady killers is that they they more or less have the have the pattern of serious funny serious funny mm. like in releasing movies you know yeah um and it's like this and then lady killers right after <laughs> or not right after but like in release you know man it's kind of incredible the the budget for 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 intolerable cruelty was sixty million, while the budget for uh, No Country for Old Men was twenty five million. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I guess that has. What is that? What would that have to do with? So uh, probably no credits? actors. No actors got paid as much as probably Clooney and Zeta Jones did. Right, but there were big name stars in this though because they had. They had Jeffrey Rush, they had um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, George Clooney, yeah. and Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that yeah. the primary reason that Intolerable Cruelty cost almost three times as much as No Country for Old Men, which yeah. is crazy because when I think of Intolerable Cruelty, like pretty much all of the scenes take place inside. Uh, there's not like special effects and shit, really. No. Mm -hmm. But, and then you've got no Country for Old Men, which takes place over a huge, you know, lots of outdoor locations. But they're lots barren of locations. It's yeah, like, that's true. They are barren. Yeah, this is L.A. Mm -hmm. That's true. You'd have to pay a lot more for all of the interiors you used and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder what their highest budget movie was. I just, I wait, can we get circle back to this? Yes. Uh, uh, what, like... Why would they why would they do that? Why would they do two funnies in a row? So I read that this was a movie that they had originally been hired to write the screenplay for. Mm. And then it was going to be directed by somebody else. Like it was going to be directed by Jonathan Demi at one point. It was going to be directed by somebody else besides that at one point. And all of those fell through. And they were going to make a World War II movie. Uh, but that fell through. 
And so they decided, well, well, why don't we just direct this? This so it is seemed I, like it kind of came up, kind of came up all of a sudden when they had been originally planning to do something else. I have a very weird idea. Yeah. That just kind of came out of nowhere. Did you ever see that Will Ferrell movie that's all in Spanish and it's a comedy? Yeah. I yeah. never saw that, but I want to. Um, I wonder like why more directors don't do that, you know, like to, to, to amp up the bizarreness, like picture, I, I, I mean, you're fluent in Spanish. I'm not. So for me, like if they would have been like, here is this sort of straight ahead comedy, but it's all in French or whatever, mm. it would have just made it made the bizarreness of the whole thing. Like it mm -hmm. could have added a lot to this movie, I think. Just be like this extra layer of weirdness, no? Yeah, I suppose. But I, I, I wonder if maybe directors feel that they, they're not confident directing in a language that they're not also fluent in. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because like, how well can you judge how well a person delivered the line? But that's, so but that's the thing, right? It's like- Oh, I see. Yeah. As a kind of experimental way of doing it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like when you know when the point of it is is for lines to be kind of delivered and in this weird kind of off kilter way. Um, yeah. It's like how I, I think I'm remembering this right. Like when Hemingway wrote, what was it? For Whom the Bell Tolls? He was he wanted to write that book as if it were translated from Spanish. Hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? That's right. So, so he wrote it specifically in in that fashion. So there's like lots of vows and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. What are you looking up over there? I see your brain uh, working. Yeah. No, I was just comparing budgets okay. of Coen yeah. Brothers movies. I find it kind of fascinating how expensive Intolerable Cruelty was. Had to be, had to be because Clooney and Zeta Jones were like yeah. at the height of their powers and yeah, just like star power. Like Inside Lewin Davis cost one sixth. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it would be more now because Oscar Isaac was not as well known. No, he was not. But even Hail Caesar cost only one third what Intolerable Cruelty cost. But Clooney's kind of in a downswing. Yeah, I suppose. Not downswing like he's worse or whatever. It's he just yeah, like he doesn't not... command. I guess. I guess what I'm. I guess what what that kind of clarifies for me is how little people like the production designers and customers get paid comparatively. Oh sure. <laughs> because because you know those are period pieces where I feel like the 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 degree of difficulty for getting the cast the sets and the costume right is like this much higher. Yeah. Whereas Intolerable Cruelty, like we said, it looks like. It was made for CBS, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, and Roger Deakins. Yeah. Roger Deakins, man. Um, here, here's, a, here's a question that, uh, it is what it is, but um, after we're done, I mean, we still have many more films to go. We got- Nine more. Uh, we got nine more to go. So we're past the halfway mark. But when we're and done with that- They've got a movie in the can. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, but when we're done with that, what, what would the next series be that we should do? Oh, I don't know, but I, I'm excited by the idea. I'm excited by the question. Yeah. Like do we do, what director would you, would you vie for? You know what I was thinking? What? Um, uh, uh, come on. I can't think of his name. Come on. Come on, Bill. Uh, shit. The movie, the director that I like to call the man who makes the very best movies about middle America. Um, hmm. You know, Election, Nebraska. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alexander Payne. Alexander Payne. Is he canceled? Are we allowed to do a, a series? Oh, no. Did him? he get canceled? He might, he might be canceled now. For what? Uh, I don't know. You know, the sexual harassment. Alexander Payne. Canceled? Question mark. <laughs> I spelled canceled well. Uh, uh, Alexander Payne. Go to the Wikipedia page. That'd have it. Yeah. Controversy. 
Something having to do with Rose McGowan. Oh, there we go. Statutory rape allegations. Oh. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not that one. So that gets us into. All right. Well, that gets us into a philosophical. No, I I love I loved election. I loved yeah. sideways. I loved. Uh, I think about about Schmidt more than probably any other person because that mm -hmm. about Schmidt is one of my favorite movies. Um, it's not like those movies are retroactively bad. It's just having spent we would have to talk about him for such a length of time it would be very difficult to to be like talking about that guy for so long and then be like yeah but also this is what it led to later <laughs> you know yeah but do you think so that i guess so i guess so i guess so but like yeah it's just, it's it, like, I'm not saying those movies are bad or like people shouldn't watch those movies. It's just mm -hmm. like spending 10 hours on a, you know, podcast mm -hmm. dissecting the guy's work would inevitably lead us to talking about that a lot. That's true. And so it's not so much, <laughs> yeah. I, I like those really movies. Something that happened when he was 27 years old. He says, yeah. Payne responded to McGowan's allegation by writing a guest column in Deadline Hollywood by admitting to a consensual relationship. She was but denied any impropriety alleging that they had met when she was over the age of consent. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't want to give, I don't want to give people who committed crimes a pass. Nope. I, I don't know. And I just don't want to. I like those movies though. Okay. But what about second choice? Uh, I don't know. All right. I'd have well, to think, think about it. You think about it. I'm, I'm just thinking like the Coens were our first or one of my first choices because it's like the bulk of their movies are so good. Yeah. Like just in many different ways. You what know? about Wes Anderson? I would love, I would love to talk about Wes Anderson stuff. Love it. Love it. I feel like Wes Anderson's got some canceled so he's got to have done something to get him canceled. No, <laughs> nope. Kinda, he seems kind of creepy. <laughs> no, he's just—he's just—you know—he's just like a weird artsy guy. All right. I would definitely do that, man. I love Wes Anderson movies, especially right, the do, early ones. Yeah, Bobble let's do Rocket. Wes Anderson. Oh my god. Yeah, I think I think Wes Anderson's a good one to do. All right. Well, we'll. we'll and maybe. I've not we'll... seen. There's a couple of them I have never seen. I haven't seen. I, Isle of Dogs. I haven't seen that. And mm -hmm. I haven't seen... Maybe that's the only one. Another one would be Noah Baumbach. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's some overlap there. Noah Baumbach. Great. <laughs> I, man, I would do... But you, you probably wouldn't. And we, would, we wouldn't have time for this. But Steven Soderbergh is like my new top of the top movie I director. I just watched uh, Che the other week. I haven't seen that. Speaking of speaking of guys who directed movies not in their native language. Yeah. But Soderbergh will try anything. That yeah. man, that God, that would be a fun That would start. be a fun like, one. He's got a lot of so films. Many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's he, so he doesn't he doesn't fuck around. He's like, oh, whatever, I'll do I'll do anything. No, he's like, I'll try this, I'll try that, I'll try this other thing. But that would yep. make I would That's I would a really good one. Movie. I've never saw Sex Lies and Videotape. Oh really? That was like a yeah. I never saw it. I never saw Kafka. I never saw King of the Hill. Kafka, fact, you have... can't see. Um, <sighs> it's not. It's not out anywhere. He's he. I heard a podcast with him recently um, where it said that he's he in this new deal uh, that he made with HBO. Part of the deal is that they have to remaster and re-release some of his old stuff. So yeah, fingers crossed, cool. we'll get to see Kafka again. Um, but I didn't uh, see anything until Out of Sight. And then I saw a bunch of the post out of sight ones. I've never seen out of sight. Oh man, out of sight is really good. I know. I hear it's his best movie. I want to see it. Um, but I, I love really his... like Che. 
See, well, let's keep those two. Let's keep those right. two in the pocket. But all wait, right. let's let's look at the time stamp. Fifty-seven minutes. Let just real briefly. There. So you and I both listen to Slash Filmcast. Mm-hmm. I listen to the Big Picture also mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. movie podcast, mm-hmm. and they they both of those podcasts talked about this HBO uh, release thing where okay all of the warner brothers movies are going you know 21 movies or whatever it is 15 movies are going straight to the streaming service for 2020 and both of them i've listened to like multiple hours about this and their take is this was bad it's gonna be bad for the movie theaters at bare minimum they handled it poorly and should have communicated with talent better Mm -hmm. so all of those things are true. What I'm not seeing is that we're still in the middle of a pandemic and this is the best thing for people who want to watch movies. I have not seen that take. And it yeah. is like whatever you want to say about the business or like whatever you want to say about these poor director millionaires who are not making more millions. It's like this is going to prevent people from going to the movie theater during a pandemic, like people will, there will be less motive to go to movies during a pandemic. And therefore that will be better for the populace. No, Mm -hmm. am I, am am I wrong on that? So let me, let me take the opposite view. Okay. And I don't know what I agree with, but I'm I'm going to make the other, I'm going to make the other argument. Sure. What they would say is um, the people, they would say just, just, hold them hold them back until movies are safe to go to again because people can survive without going to see 13 movies in a given year but by setting this precedent of um, streaming everything you're making it harder long term for all the people who make movies to get a payday it's not just the big i think what they might say in their defense it's not just denis villeneuve who's not going to make more millions it's all of the people all the way down the line in the production of a film are gonna be making less money because films are just gonna have smaller budgets. There's yeah. just no way that they can, they can, what Denis Villeneuve says is that there's no way that you can have big blockbuster movies any longer uh, if everything's gonna be on streaming. There's just, the, 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 the business model just is not there. Like, Yeah, yeah, so, you won't make as much money. Now, I don't necessarily think that's bad because Lord knows, I think there's been way too many uh, Marvel movies and shit with $100 million budgets, like t- sucking all the air out of the room. I agree. Yeah. So. And the, so I think the other point that I've heard to that point is that y- you have to release these movies or, you know, it's like they'll, they'll, they'll go stale in the fridge, you know? Mm-hmm. And the the more time that they kind of just sit on them, the more time that that they're not making any money, like period, and then that stalls out future productions. Yeah, that's um, true. So I mean, I get that it, like, I've heard other people be like, I'm not going to take the side of the cell phone company over artistic directors and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'll take the side of of people who don't make any money and want to watch all these movies. And like, I I already wasn't going to the movies very much. Like I would go every once in a while, but not, not a lot. It's just a pain. It's it's definitely not a, it's not like a cut and dry thing at all. But I, I'm I'm surprised I just haven't heard that said like, yeah, unequivocally it, like if we take the given as, Movies will be released. Will they be released in theaters? Will they be released on streaming? Like if we yeah. go with that given, they were going to be released in this next year. Yeah. Then 100% this is a safer move. Right. So. Another thing that that conversation on the Slash Film cast sort of, what, what, what I thought was really interesting about this discussion about how much money Disney and Marvel are putting into their streaming services and how they're able to get these multi-film contracts with the biggest makers, you know, is that the problem potentially, and I'm going to 
use a hoity-toity term here. The problem potentially with entertainment is not so much monopoly as monopsony. Mm. Monopsony is when there's a single payer, a single employer in a market rather than a single vendor. So it's like, yeah, there are other studios and so forth, but um, they, the, the money being paid to people like Taika Waititi and Patty Jenkins and all these people by Disney is so much that there's no, there's no chance any other studio can, or any other maker can, can get these people. Yeah. And I, I thought that was an interesting perspective I'd never heard before. It's like, oh yeah, if, if Taika Waititi is being paid this much money to make Star Wars, then he's not gonna be making his other bizarre, strange ass little movies, which he made before, which were delightful. So. It, I, I mean, in a way it like, it's like the studio system, you know, where they were cranking out, you know, a hundred movies a year or whatever, and they yeah. were all sort of samey. And mm -hmm. then there was a backlash to that. And we got like all the weird ass seventies movies, you know? Yeah. So this will, it, sure. I, I think I, like, I've heard that too. Like, Oh, all the best directors are going to this thing. Well, guess what? They're not going to be the best directors anymore. Like if they're making fucking, uh, the same kind of movie and yeah. the same sort of like, I love spaceships and I love superheroes, but mm -hmm. like uh, if that's all they're making, they're not going to be the best directors anymore. They just won't. Yeah. yeah if, when they <laughs> assign Taika Waititi to the wrestling picture, it's just right. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. 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 We need the wrestling picture written. Yeah. It's It's going to be like, yeah, I, I really do wonder if there's a kind of uh, cycle going on here. We're going to be back in the 1940s for a while. Yeah. But, but the thing is like, there's, there's always new people. Like there's going to be new talent and there's mm -hmm. going to be new people that are, that don't like that stuff. Yeah. And there's plenty of people that don't like that stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm a little bummed. Yeah. I want to see like cool, uh, cool movies like that, but I wanted to see more like Christopher Nolan, weird movies that were smaller in scale. And he's just refuses to do that, you know, yeah. like, following and memento were some of his best movies because they were like i don't know not i don't know yeah 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 Fair no enough. it's straight it's a does it's a strange time in uh the movie the movie business and the tv business yeah well i have right. more faith in the tv oh. business like it seems like interesting shows are continuing to get made that are yeah. not necessarily based on pre-existing properties although you know, if if Disney's going to be throwing that much money at the Mandalorian, the two different Mandalorian spinoffs that are happening. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know it. And and based on the you know spoilers for Mandalorian now, I guess. But like based on the ending that I, I showed you for this mm -hmm. second season of Mandalor of the Mandalorian, or what? What do you mean by two spinoffs? What are the two spinoffs? So Disney in their earnings in their like investors call or whatever announced yeah. that there's not there's going to be two different mandalorian spin-off tv shows maybe one is for pedro pascal and one is for boba fett because the the um you know the ending of of the mandalorian was like coming 2021 the book of boba fett yeah so and but then they have this Unless Pedro Pascal, but that's the thing. If they if they lose Pedro Pascal, they can get somebody else to play Man Mandalorian, and like just never take his helmet off. So so there's going to be the Book of Boba Fett, but there's also going to be Rangers of the New Republic, which is a spinoff of that oh. of Mandalorian, and ah Ahsoka, another spinoff of the Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean Ahsoka's. Yeah, kind of. Ahsoka was from uh, one of the cartoons, but I, I see your point. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's kind yeah. of that. That I, I don't think it's accurate to say that right. it's a Mandalorian spinoff. But hmm. hmm, well, it may change because you know a year ago everyone said, "Well, we're going to get a trilogy of films from Ryan Johnson." Oh, that sucked. Yeah, and then, now he's not. Apparently not, that's not happening. No. And we're going to get a uh, Star Wars uh, Game of Thrones. Well, you know, 
Game of the Game of Thrones people were going to make Star Wars movies too, another trilogy, and that doesn't seem to be happening either. Yeah. So all yeah. of this could change. Yeah. Yep. Well, all, all right, right, man. Well, we started we started with intolerable cruelty, and we ended with Star Wars. I, that's, that's fine. Nice. I'll that's we'll put a little <laughs> put a little disclaimer. We'll we'll retitle this. Yep. Retitle it intolerable cruelty and and movie news. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, next is Lady Killers. Lady Killers. I'm more excited that, to see Lady Killers than than Intolerable Cruelty. It is kind of funny that that's the only movie Tom Hanks ever did with them. <laughs> yeah. And what a bizarre character what he got. What a bizarre did. one. You know, this movie, this Tom Hanks movie that's coming out, uh, The News of the World, it is his only Western ever. Doesn't that seem weird? Yeah. You. It's, it, I mean, you could say that um, Road to Perdition is a... is has western themes to it he, I can see that. he, he yeah, plays kind of like themes. a like a westerny kind of that's a, true it is kind of a westerny role like a like a man with no name sort of yeah thing but it's such a gangster picture that it seems to fall more into the gangster picture no i agree i agree yeah. a wrestling picture a wrestling picture a gangster picture i haven't what? seen road to perdition in a long time what <laughs> wait one more thing back to intolerable cruelty real quick or sort of, yeah. I want to, do you know of anything, any like article or book or whatever that, that talks about the different like philosophies that go into pro wrestling? Cause there's like, there's all these different terms that I think are really fascinating as far as somebody I was listening to on a podcast said that like pro wrestling is important to understanding the current media landscape as far as like conservatism goes because it's the same sort of uh, idea of like the big lie that everybody agrees to. Mm. You know, we, mm-hmm. we see these things happening. We know they are fake. Even when you're 12 years old, we know that that punch doesn't land. That's why he's stomping on this, on this mat that like moves and makes noise, right? And somebody was saying like pro wrestling is is a key to understanding this Trumpism stuff because it's like they're watching people. One of the theories is that these people know that this stuff is false, Mm -hmm. right? And they are making a show of believing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there and there's some like specific words that are that are used in pro wrestling. And I wanted to I wanted to like look into that a little bit more that sounds intriguing to me that that sounds like a pretty interesting uh theory it seems it seems right on based yeah. on what you've just said and i wonder i guess the looping back to the cohen brothers is a lot of the times they i feel like they are doing a certain version of that where i feel like that's that's part of the cohenism that turns some people off is that they can't tell they it's like this subtle irony of like, oh, you think that we're being genuine with this thing. And that's mm-hmm. part of the joke, mm-hmm. which is on you and on us and back right. onto you, you know. And so well, I think we, we have a mutual acquaintance who once described the reason that she didn't like the Coen Brothers movies is because she feels like when you're watching a Coen Brothers movie, it's like they're fucking with you. Yeah. Put in the chat who that put in the <laughs> chat who that was, because uh, I forget and I don't want to. I don't want to be mean to this person because that's totally fine. Ah, yes. Yep. 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 And then I can see that. I I understand why a person feels that way. So, but for specifically intolerable cruelty is the like flatness and is the like unprestiginess of it part of the fucking with you? See, I feel that intolerable cruelty actually has a pretty low amount of the this movie is fucking with me. But as is, compared to, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. As compared, I mean, I think that uh, a movie with a high amount of that would be something like uh, A Serious Man. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but but it, it, as far, in terms of, in terms of like, this is what you thought you were getting is mm-hmm. the like slow pan in like, Mm-hmm. And now we are flipping it back onto those uh, Cohen Bros bros mm-hmm. <laughs> who are who wanted that. And here, what we're giving you is basically just a goofy comedy, and we're not going to like put any yeah. put any uh, frills on it. 
So, you know, maybe, maybe part of the thing with the Coen brothers is like, you know what, this is probably going to make a lot of money because it's got Catherine Zeta Jones and George Clooney and it's funny and it could, you know, you could watch it with your parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we'll make a lot of money and then we'll get to make weird shit later, like no country for old men and inside Lewin Davis and a serious man and stuff, you know? Yeah. And so if, if that's what it took, so be it. (laughs) Right. Soderbergh kind of does that same thing. He'll do, you know, uh, one for me, one for them sort mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm, He'll mm-hmm. do the, okay, yeah, you want the big, I know how to do an Ocean's Eleven movie and that'll everybody will love it. And then yep. I'm going to go and make Bubble. Right. Do you know what Bubble is? I do. Okay. It was all, it was all non-professional actors. All just, he just found these people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yep. All right, Dan. All right. Well, that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Good chat. Good to see you in this pandemic. Yep. I like your Christmas lights in the background. Got a little Christmassy. Got a strand here. Got a strand over there. Nice. Very nice. All All right, right, man. Talk to you later. Stay by your apparatus. Stay by your apparatus. Bye-bye. And he's gone. And now I'm gone.